fellow, I got this one at church. Amen. I've got, to, I've got to listen to that three times today, and it's been awesome all three times. I've, I've said this before, but um, our Sunday night crowd, I always tell people our Sunday night crowd has the most potential for growth. Um, but one of the things I love about our band is they don't, they don't hold back on Sunday nights. They, they, they don't let it go. So about twice a year we do this. We do a, we do a Q&A, and there's a couple reasons we do it. Number one is I think the church should be one of the safest places to ask questions in the world. And I, the church I grew up in was not a safe place to ask questions. In fact, if you questioned the church, they equated that with questioning God. And you didn't question God. And I was like, I don't have a question for God. I have a question for you. Like, why do we do this? And, and so I want this to be a safe place to ask questions. The second reason we do it is because I believe, I personally believe, that the Word of God can speak to, to any situation that we're going through. Hebrews says in uh, chapter 4, verse 12, that the, the Word of God is living and active. It's living and active. So if you're one of those people like me, um, I, I love to read my Bible every day, but what's crazy is you can read a passage and then circle back around to that passage maybe a month or six months or a year later and read the exact same passage and get something completely different out of that passage. It happened to me this morning. I'm reading through the book of Revelation. Revelation. It's one revelation. It's not a bunch of revelations, okay? It's a, and, and something hit me this morning, and it was so real. And I was like, has this always been in here? So anyway, um, I got my Bible. This is, this is my quiet time Bible right now. I go, I, I kind of read it and underline it and mark it up. And then when I get it super marked up, I get a brand new Bible, and it's like I'm reading it again for the very first time. So with that in mind, I have no idea I have not pre-screened these questions. I did not approve certain ones or disapprove others. I have no idea what's popping on the screen. If you guys ask it, I'm courageous enough to try to answer. And if I don't know the answer, I will tell you, I don't know. Let's keep going. Because there was a question this morning. I was like, whew, that's a good one. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I asked God and the Holy Spirit was like, yeah, I don't know either. Just keep moving. I'm just kidding. Okay, so let's go. Let's, we're going to start off. Uh, what is your word for... Um, 2024. Okay, so for those of you that y'all like, what is this word? I have a word. I put a word out every year, and every year, that's my word for the year. Like, I'm going to go back to that word. The one thing I'm going to keep going back to in 2024. I shared this with the staff two weeks ago, but my word for this year is sow, um, meaning like plant seed, sow seed in the ground. I want to sow. I want to I wanna invest in people. Um, as much as I can, as often as I can. I just want to sow into people because the Bible says you reap what you sow. And the reason some people, we don't reap good crops is we don't sow good seed. And so in 2024, I want to make sure I sow really great seed so we can see an incredible harvest in, in our church. That's my word for 2024. And listen, it can't be your word now. You got to come up with your own. All right. Next question. How can I tell when Jesus is speaking to me and that it's not my mind just making something up? That's a legitimate question. Um, I'm trying to think of which. Jesus will never lead us to anything that contradicts his word. That's where I always go. If, if I have a thought run through my mind, 
and I think it might be the Lord, the first thing I'm going to do is test it um, against anything in this book. Because we're told that God is not the author of confusion. So he doesn't want us to be confused. So I'll run it by what's in this book. If I don't get any clarity there, I'll run it by some really godly people that I know. Because we've all got people in our life that'll tell us what we want to hear. And then we got some people that'll tell us the truth. And I run it by really godly people. And then I ask the Holy Spirit to make it clear. Because this is what I've discovered. If you ask the Holy Spirit to make it clear, he'll make it clear. Because if he wants us to know something, he wants us to know it more than we actually want to know it. And if it's not from him, he's going to be like, nope, not from me. Quiet crowd. Let's go. All right, let's keep moving. Okay, good, 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 good. No, 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 don't clap. No, no. PTL for so many um, salvations every week. Any plans for a new believers class? Yep. It's called church. Um, the funny thing is we do, we do have plans to do something for brand new believers. That's one of the things we're, I'm going to personally sow into in 2024. And I'm not going to tell you about it yet because we're, I'm still building out the foundation for it. But one of the things, listen, when I first became a Christian, this is what I know. Every time the doors opened at church, I was there. I started serving. I started volunteering. I got as involved as I could. And you know what happens when you get involved in a local church? You grow. You grow. You, you grow and you learn how to love people. So while there's not immediate plans for a brand new believers class, hey, listen, one of the, one of the number one things we tell new believers is you got, you got a couple steps you got to take. Start serving and get baptized. That's what we tell brand new believers. So if you are, because I know some 30-year-old believers that have sat through every discipleship class and have never served, and they're cranky as hell. So just waking y'all up, okay? Okay, just making sure y'all with me. Here we go. Next question. Oh, wow. If you are a part of the LGBTQ+, let me stop right there. Could y'all please not take all the letters of the alphabet because I'm literally confused every time this pops up. I'm just speaking how I feel, Okay. If you're part of the LGBTQ plus community, can you still have a relationship with God? If not, why? I always wondered that growing up because I was taught that you can't like the same sex or you will go to hell. Is that true? No. You don't go to hell because you like the same sex. You go to hell because you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, period. Period. So let's talk about the LGBTQ plus community. Um, I got, I shared a little bit about this this morning, but I got invited to a pastor's event one time and um, I was doing a Q&A like this on stage, but the pastors were asking questions with a microphone. Um, we would never do that here because there's some, there's a, not in this service, but there's some people in this church that should never have a microphone because they can't ask a question. They have to tell you a story and then ask a question. Um, and what, what this is doing, if you're, this is called stalling while you find a verse. I know where it is. There it is. So, um, so for years, I feel like the church has really beat up on people that are gay. 
I think we've, I think we've got a bunch of people that are, that are gay or struggle with same-sex attraction, and they think that because of that, they're going to hell. So I'm at this event, and I had a guy right on the front row, and he asked me this question. Would you baptize an openly gay person? I said, it depends. He said, what does it depend on? I said, did they just pray to receive Christ? And he said, yeah. I said, then I'd baptize them. He said, but you can't. I said, why can't I? He said, because they got to repent of being gay. I'm like, that's not what the Bible says. In Acts chapter 2, when, when 3,000 people got saved and baptized, I'll guarantee you there was somebody in that group struggling with same-sex attraction. He said, he said, but if they're gay, you can't baptize them. Then he got mad. Listen, he picked the fight. I just carried it out. I said, sir, if you're saying that somebody, because they're sinning, they can't be baptized, he said, that's what I'm saying. I said, then I couldn't baptize you because you're morbidly obese. He said, it's not the same. I said, it's absolutely the same. It's the sin of the flesh. You have no self-control. Self-control is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Y'all feel, feel that tension? I said this this morning, but I'll say it tonight. See, when we look at the Bible, if we use it as a mirror to look at our own lives rather than a window to look through to judge other people, it works a lot better. And, and I know, listen, let me, let me state very clearly. I believe homosexuality is a sin. I believe marriage is between a man and a woman. I'm not mad about it. I'm not mean about it. That's what I believe. I have really great friends that don't believe that and we can still be great friends. But where people get that homosexuals go to hell is, are from passages like this. I'm gonna just read to you one of the most famous passages that, that people use. They say, don't you realize that those who do wrong, this is out of 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse nine. Do you not realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin, so sexual sin, that'd be like, watching porn. Keep reading. Um, who worship idols, worshiping idols. That would be like, um, that would be like busting your rear end to get to a Clemson or Carolina game, even if it's raining, but then if it's raining on a Sunday, you don't come to church. That would be idolatry. Um, or commit adultery. Jesus said that's looking at a woman lustfully in your heart. Um, or, or are male prostitutes, <laughs> sure we don't have any of those, and if so, God help us, all right? Um, or practice homosexuality, there it is, but it's in the middle. Listen to other things listed right after it. Um, or are thieves, thieves can't inherit the kingdom of God. Some of you are like, I'm not a thief. Well, if you're not tithing, you're stealing 10% from God. Technically. See, it got real, didn't it? I just keep reading. Or greedy people. You ever been greedy? Your wife wants some French fries. And, yeah, <laughs> going to hell. Or drunkards. <laughs> well, I'm screwed. Um, <laughs> it's just right there in the Bible. 
or are abusive, let's let's look at your Facebook comments, see if you're abusive, or cheat people. None of these. So we like to look at that list and pick the stuff that we're not doing, not understanding that if it were not for the grace of God, none of us. And by the way, for those of us that call ourselves that straight, we call ourselves straight, if we look at that list, we're not that straight. We're pretty jacked up. Okay, I was, I was doing my best. I was doing my best to make everybody mad. I think I did a good job right there. All right. Next verse, our next question. Who's, what? I don't know. Uh, this would be a five o'clock question. <laughs> Jesus, because he rose from the dead. <laughs> Boom, I Jesus do everybody. <laughs> Next question. Um, is there a plan or foundation that will help the single moms and dads for kids to grow strong? Um, First of all, single moms and single dads have, have my heart. I, I love our single moms and I love our single dads. Um, I also know that, that parenting, if you're a parent, you're, gonna, you're just going to need to agree with this. Even if your kid's sitting with you, it's going to be weird. Parenting is making crap up as you go along. And hoping by God's grace that something good catches, right? Because all parents, I heard a comedian say this recently, it was so true. All parents lie to their kids because they make stuff up. For example, if you swallow a piece of gum, how long does it stay in your belly? See, your parents lied to you about that. That's not true. It does not stay in your belly for seven years, but our parents told us that. So when it comes back to, is there a plan or foundation that will help single moms and dads for kids to grow strong? This is what I would honestly tell you. Make sure they don't miss a Sunday at Second Chance. Make sure they don't miss a Sunday learning about Jesus in a clean, safe, fun environment where they can get excited because at the end of the day, you'll never be able to replace their mom or their, their dad, but if you can get them to fall in love with Jesus at an early age, he can always fill that hole that a parent walking out or a parent passing away left, always. Love our second chance kids, SC kids. All right, next question. What are your thoughts? <laughs> wow, we're going there. Are there words that should be off limits or is the harm in the intention of the spoken word? Well, I'll read y'all a verse. It's one of my favorites in the Bible. There it is. I got it highlighted so you know it's good. <laughs> and um, Paul in Philippians 3 is... <laughs> it's the most annoying ring I've ever heard in my life. All right, I'm just... So, thank you. Da-da-da! That means answer the phone. Um... 
Paul in Philippians 3 is, is kind of bragging, not, not bragging, but he was like, listen, I used to do this, I used to do this, I was perfect. He had memorized the Old Testament. And then he says this phrase in Philippians chapter 3, verse 7, I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Um, the word worthless there is a weak translation. Because in the Greek, the word is skubala. And if you translate skubala literally, it's the word shit. <laughs> that is in your Bible. But all the people translating the Bible got down. They were right in there like, oh, we can't put shit in the Bible. <laughs> but I'm like, Paul wrote it under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Now, that doesn't mean you can go out and just drop the S-bomb everywhere tonight because it's in the Bible. I'm just saying a lot of, a lot of people consider, like, I don't know. What, what, what is profanity? Like, because when I was growing up, my grandma got mad if you said darn. Because what you really meant to say was damn. And so if you say darn, darn what's close. And I'm, my, my thing is this. My thing is this. When we're around other people, if we speak in a way that tears them down or causes other people to disrespect us and our relationship with Jesus, it's probably wrong. But I'm not the profanity police. I don't have the whistle and the flag, and I'm not running around. To, I'm just, I mean, I don't like it when people take the Lord's name in vain. I'll call that out real quick. But, but I, I don't know. My thoughts on profanity? <laughs> oh, shit's in the Bible, so that's a safe word, I guess. <laughs> By the way, if you snuck a kid in tonight, I bet you wish they were an SC kids. <laughs> Next question. Women were the first ones to proclaim the resurrection of Jesus to men. So why does Paul say to not allow women to teach men and that they should be silent in the church? Um, <laughs> uh, man, so many thoughts right there. And I just filtered at five, which is a miracle. Um, so let me talk about women in ministry for a minute uh, because... There are some people that have a problem. In fact, it's, it, I, it's controversial, and I don't understand why. Now, people want to point to what Paul said. Well, Paul said in Corinthians that women should be silent in the church. and that It was a cultural issue. Let me explain. You're not going to believe this. It's completely insane what was going on in Corinth 2,000 years ago. In Corinth, 2,000 years ago, there were women that were trying to identify as men and men trying to identify as women. So women were dressing up like men, and men were dressing up like women. It's insane how far we came in 2,000 years. And they were showing up at church. So Paul made some rules that men should not have long hair, and, and women should wear a covering on their head, and all these other things, to just, to be, just to be like, hey, there are men and there are women, and these are the rules you need to go by. So when Paul was saying that women should, this was to create order in a church that had gone completely crazy. This was not a biblical mandate for all time. Um, 
I'll, I'll go back to whatever this person said right here at the beginning. If it wasn't for women, we wouldn't know about the resurrection. And by the way, all the men that are so dead set about women being in ministry, ask them who their Sunday school teacher was when they were, a, they were a kid. It was always the women teaching Sunday school because the men were too lazy to get out of freaking bed. So I believe God calls men and I believe God calls women and I don't, listen, there are over three billion people in the world that are going to go to hell if we don't get the gospel to them. And I don't think what we pee out of should matter when there's that many people going to hell. Have the people clap. Half the people are like, I don't know if I agree. That's fine. We can still be friends. I'm right. Let's uh, next question. Next question. What prayer do you pray most? What prayer do you most often pray? Hmm. This year. This year. It's funny you ask this question. I was I was looking back at my prayer journal. Um, it's been God, give me your thoughts, and or God, show me your thoughts, show me your ways, show me your thoughts, show me your ways, show me your thoughts, show me your ways. I've really been hung up on Isaiah 55, 8, and 9, which says his thoughts and his ways are higher and greater. So give me your thoughts and show me your ways. Give me your thoughts and show me your ways. Give me your thoughts and show me your ways. That's the that's the prayer that's most in my heart right now. And that that stuff works. All right, next question. If I continue to serve God. Will he take my addiction from me? I'm scared to open up about it and fear people won't accept me the same. Wow. Let me unpack this question. And let me unpack this question as somebody who's been there. Um, if I continue to serve God, will he take my addiction from me? No, that's not how it works. God, I'll serve you a lot and you take my addiction away. You know how I know? Because I was the pastor of one of the largest churches in America and he didn't take my addiction away. You know, you know how he takes addiction away? You know the first step? The first step is you got to want that addiction to be gone out of your life. Your wife can't want it for you. Your husband can't want it for you. Your brother or your sister, your aunt, or your kids. I, I've heard people go, I'm gonna get cleaned up for my kids. I'm like, then you're gonna be back in three months. Addiction, the chains of addiction begin to break when, when you understand personally, I don't want to live this way anymore. And then... It's like uh, the, the prodigal son. When the prodigal son went to the distant country, he came to his senses. The Bible says he came to his senses. But what did he have to do? He had to walk back to the father. We don't know how long that took. Everybody's addiction journey to get past addiction is different. By the way, I believe, I believe that anybody on the planet can walk in freedom from addiction with the power of Jesus working in and through them. Addiction is not stronger than Jesus. It just isn't, period. And so when I talk about, when I talk about 
Um, by the way, I'm scared to open up about it and fear people won't accept me the same. They won't. You're going to get judged. You're going to get talked about. You're going to get condemned. It's part of the process. But the people that judge you were never with you in the first place. Hey, and I'll tell you this. You tell me. You tell me. If you've been clean for four years or four hours, I'd love to know. I celebrate that stuff with people. But, sir, you can't be addicted and serve your way out of it. The only way to get rid of sin is confession and then repentance, which means allowing Jesus through his word and through his Holy Spirit to change our mind over an extended period of time. All right. Y'all asking some heavy stuff tonight. What's next? Is it possible to get married in the eyes of the Lord without the government being involved? Oh, God. We're married in our hearts. No, you're married in your pants. That's where you're married. I mean, we're, we're United States citizens. We're subject to the laws of the United States. Is it God, God says we are under the authority of the government. This whole I'm married in the eyes of the Lord, people, people say that so they don't have to make a commitment. So I don't know. This is what's freeing. I don't know who asked this question. I just tell you, get married. Okay, well, feels good. Let's go. <laughs> Which other pastors do you listen to, learn, uh, lean into for advice? Well, funny you ask. Not a lot of pastors return my phone calls these days. That's fine. Um, I got a handful of really good friends, though, that are pastors. Uh, I list who I listen to. I listen to uh, Pastor Stephen Furtick every week. I listen to Pastor Jensen Franklin every week. Um, I listen to Pastor Mark Driscoll every week. Um, uh, Jensen, I listen to a Messianic Jewish person named Jonathan Kahn as often as possible. I've read many of his books. Um, he's in, I mean, he's, you got, you got to be ready for it, but he's, he's really good. Um, and then I just kind of scour and out there and see what, what's, but I listen to Pastor Stephen uh, and Pastor Craig Grishel and Pastor Andy Stanley. I listen to those guys just about every week without fail. Some of y'all are like, how do you find the time to do that? When you run as much as I do, you find the time. And they, and I listen to them because it just feeds my soul. I need to. Just, I need people that I can listen to that I can be like, oh my gosh, that is so good. Um, and so those are the guys that those are the guys I listen to the most. All right. Next question. What are the main ways we can be aware of fight Satan's tactics to corrupt our our minds? So in the FBI, I believe it's the FBI, there's a, there's a special division of the FBI and the, their specialty is recognizing counterfeit money. You can put a real dollar bill and a fake dollar bill next to them and they can get it every time because they're experts. 
And I've read about this in a couple different leadership books. And they've taken this group of people at the FBI and they've asked them, can, why, how can you recognize counterfeit stuff so good? Do you study counterfeit money a lot? And this entire division will tell you, nope. We study the real thing over and over and over again so that when something counterfeit comes along, we immediately recognize it because it's not real. With that in mind, study the real thing, the word of God. Jesus was tempted by the devil three times. Every single time he quoted out of the book of Deuteronomy, y'all. Deuteronomy. Every time. So how, how, what are the main ways that, that we can be aware of Satan's tactics and cor to corrupt our minds? We get so familiar with this that every time he put, tries to put something in our mind that doesn't align with this, we know it. Boom. Feeling good about it. All right. Let's keep going. What we got next? How do you feel about speaking in tongues? Whew. And laying hands on people. Well, you probably shouldn't do that. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, had a, I had a lady come up one time in the lobby. She said, you really touched me. I was like, no, I didn't. I did not. I did not touch you, ma'am. That did not happen. Anyway, I'm just trying to have some fun. Obviously, it's not landing. Um, what do you think about speaking in tongues and laying hands on people for healing? Um, I'm good with it. No, I'm, I am. Hey, I speak in tongues. There's not a punchline. I believe speaking in tongues, according to my, this is an open-handed issue, by the way. I said this, uh, what, last week? Close-handed, open-handed issues? Close-handed issues are like the word of God being the authority, um, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Open-handed issue. This is an open-handed issue for me. You don't have to believe what I believe. But when the Holy Spirit fell in Acts chapter two, and everybody was speaking in tongues, that Greek word, every time you interpret it, it means language. It, was a, it, was, it would be like God allowing me to speak Spanish right now if there were people that were here that only understood Spanish so I could explain the gospel to them. That would be a miracle. That's Acts chapter 2. Paul does talk about speaking in tongues. I believe it's more of a private prayer language. I believe it's supposed to be used um, in not, I've never seen it used in a court, like a, huge church setting where it just didn't get completely out of, just, it just got crazy. It just got crazy. And in many instances, the, the focus of churches that get caught up in that, the focus becomes to speak in tongues and not to reach people for Christ. So I believe in speaking in tongues. Um, I, I have prayed for people and laid hands on them. And I believe that's very biblical. Um, and it does happen. We, we don't do it a lot. Uh, publicly, but you know, 2024, you might see it a little bit more because I, I do believe in the power of God and the power of prayer, but I'm a work in progress in that, in that I'm a work in progress. Like I'm getting there. All right. Next question. This is fun. Y'all asking some good ones. Will we immediately see our loved ones when we pass or are we not reunited with them until Jesus comes back? I have no idea. I literally don't know. This is what I know. The Bible does say to be absent from the body 
is to be present with the Lord. That's enough for me. My mom, my dad, I'm sure I'll see him one day, but that, that whole present with the Lord thing, I'm pretty pumped up about that. But immediately, I, I don't know. I don't know. It's a great question. Hope you find the answer one day. Next question, how do I start studying the Bible? Any books or studies that you would recommend to go along with the Bible? Text Pastor P.D. 97,000. Okay, that, so, so the reason I do the devotional is to break it down, but let me tell you the best way to study the Bible, okay? Start in the book of John. Read a chapter a day. In three weeks, you finished a book of the Bible. Get a, get a pen and a, and a notepad. I've already lost half the people because it's too much work, I know, but just stay with me. Get a pen and a little notepad. Before you read that chapter in John, before you read it, ask Jesus, Jesus, through the power of your Holy Spirit, speak to me in your word. Read it. Write down any thoughts you have. Thank him for that time. And I promise you in three weeks, you will grow more in your walk with Christ than you ever have. Here's why. When you ask Jesus to meet you in his word, he'll always meet you there. Always. I have never had a morning that I got up and got in my Bible that Jesus didn't meet me there. He is faithful to meet us when we open his word, period. And then when you get done with John, go to Acts. That's four weeks. There's 28 chapters. When you get done with Acts, pick another gospel. Read Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. I mean, stay in the New Testament for a while because you get Leviticus and they start killing goats. It's going to freak you out, okay? So just stay away. Stay away from Leviticus um, and just stay in the New Testament. Great question. Next, next question. Um, oh, God, I, I don't know. I hope I live for a little while before I even have to think about this. Um, man. Oh. Yeah, yeah. For making the most of my second chance. For making the most, for, for not allowing, for not allowing people to define me. I think it was, was it eight years ago or nine years ago? Eight or nine years ago, this was, this was my second tattoo. I got this tattoo right here. It's Hebrew. It means holy to the Lord. And the reason I got it was to remind me of my calling, that I'm, I'm called. And it's ironic that I got it right before everything went upside down in my life. And I, I've, I've looked at this tattoo so many times, holy to the Lord, holy to the Lord, holy to the Lord. And it's reminded me, even in my darkest times, that even though people may have changed their mind about me, that God had not changed his mind about me. He knew every stupid, sinful, selfish, self-centered decision I was going to make and called me anyway. And I've, I, I'm still called. But I hope, I hope I get to live for a little while longer before we have to start talking about stuff like that. All right? 
I said, but what's next? Y'all are asking some, why do I still feel like God does not forgive me for the bad things I've done, even though I have asked for his forgiveness? Um, couple reasons. Number one, you're still doing it. And that's, like, that doesn't work. God, I'm, I'm, I've committed this sin. I'm sorry. I'm gonna do it again tomorrow, same time, same place. Um, that, that's, why, that's one reason that people don't feel forgiven. And the second reason is because we believe that God's amazing grace is for some people. We just don't believe it includes us. I've literally, I, listen, I wrestle with this. Trust me. I've literally looked in my mirror at myself and said, you are forgiven. You are forgiven. If I, listen, I can believe that for anybody on the planet sometimes except for me. So I get it. And the reason we struggle with the past so much is Satan knows if he can keep our attention focused in the past that he can't, that we won't look to the future. God's over the past. We need to get over it as well. Next question. I mean, either one. It's not like, not like God's going, I'm sorry, you didn't use the name of Jesus, we're going to cancel that prayer. I don't think God's like the technicality God, you know what I'm saying? Like I baptized somebody one time and they were really tall and their head didn't go completely under the water and I had a lady email me freaking out going, they didn't want a real baptism. I was like, lady, what the actual, okay, I just, okay, I, well, I can swear. So but anyway, anyway, I either, next. <laughs> wow. I mean, satisfying yourself, really? Um, so, so, I was thinking that we would get through an entire day without having to talk about masturbation. That's what this question is. I mean, it's, oh my God, I'm, I'm having to filter some of my thoughts. Um, basically, is it a sin to masturbate is what I'm seeing in this question. This has been my answer since I've been a youth pastor. If you can do it and sing Amazing Grace, have at it. Got a feeling that one's going to go viral on the internet. <laughs> I just ask a real simple question. You don't have to answer for yourself. You can answer for somebody else. Can you, can you masturbate without lusting? Nope. Nope. Probably shouldn't do that. It's not a good idea. Next. <laughs> Jesus loves us unconditionally and we are forgiven of our sins as long as we believe in him. But my question is why did Lucifer fall from heaven when we are unconditionally loved and forgiven? I don't know. I mean, pride ultimately is the reason Lucifer fell from heaven. Pride. Isaiah, let me see if I can find this. Isaiah 
It's found in Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel 28. Isaiah 14, Ezekiel 28. I'm going to Isaiah 14, Isaiah 14. It's got Satan's little speech before he fell from heaven. Let's see if I can, oh, he, here we go. Isaiah chapter 14, verse 13. This is Isaiah talking about what Lucifer said when he fell from heaven. For you said to yourself, I will ascend to heaven. I will. See the I will? And set my throne above God's stars. I will preside on the mountains of the gods far away in the north. I will climb to the highest heavens and be like the... I will, I will, I will. It was pride over and... He wanted... Being in the presence of God wasn't enough. He wanted to be like God. And then he found out, bad decision, he got thrown to earth. He is not in hell. He is on earth. And so at the end of the day, why did he get, why did he get cast out? To, the best way I can understand it, most theologians agree that the angels had like a one-time option, a one-time choice. And they got to choose, they got to choose sides. Two-thirds stayed in heaven, great idea. A third went with Satan. So that's the best I can explain it. We're going to do three more questions, three more. Y'all have asked some. This has been the, whew, this has been the one where I'm, whew, need a drink of water. Three more questions and we're done. Three more. Let's make them good. Here we go. How would you invite family members to church, especially if they not main? Oh, that's a good one. I can't speak for every church. I can tell you this one. The more messed up they are, the more you can tell them, oh, you'll love our pastor. He's just like you. <laughs> no, I'm serious. And, and this is the other beautiful thing. If you got family members that, that are like, man, I don't believe all that stuff y'all believe. Just tell them, man, that's awesome. In our church, you can, you can belong before you believe. No, it's, it's amazing. You, you don't, for example, um, I had a staff member come to me with, within the past year, and they said, okay, I got a question about this volunteer. I said, tell me your question. They said, they want to volunteer, and they're not a Christian. I said, okay, well, we need to make sure they're not like, teaching stuff because that would be a little messed up but and it, they wanted to volunteer in a serving role but they weren't a christian they said what do we do i said let them volunteer let them volunteer let them, let them because don't miss this when jesus walked up to peter peter's fishing jesus issued peter what for my bible people what two words did jesus say to peter on the beach that day Follow me, not believe me. Follow me. Because Jesus knew the longer Peter followed him, his beliefs would change. And they did. And the reason we have the story of St. Peter, the reason we have First and Second Peter, the reason we have the gospel of Mark, which was most, more than likely dictated by Peter to Mark, is because Jesus didn't say, believe me, then follow he did the same thing to Matthew. Matthew's sitting at a tax collector's booth. Matthew's living in sin, and Jesus walked up to him, and he didn't say, stop it, or believe me. He said, Matthew, follow me, and Matthew did. And we have the gospel of Matthew because Jesus 
Jesus was like, you don't have to believe me before you belong in my crew. Just follow me. And over time, you'll change. So if you got people like, I don't know if I believe all that stuff, say, our church is perfect. Our church is perfect for you because you don't have to believe to belong. I love that. Two more. There are populations in the world that have not been exposed to Christianity. Those people, even if they are good people, not go to heaven. I don't know. I don't know. I've seen really brilliant people who are godly and love Jesus on opposite ends of the spectrum. There are people that hold to the Jesus is the way and the truth and the life and no one comes to the Father but by me and, and, and I'm there with people that have heard the gospel. But somebody that has never heard the gospel, I don't know how God works that out. Here's what I know. God is more than gracious and more than fair. So however he handles that is way better than I would have handled that. Deuteronomy 29, 29 says the secret things belong to God. There are some things, there's some mysterious things that are on this side of heaven we will never know or we will never understand. I'm just obsessed with the people that have been exposed to Christianity but still reject Jesus. All right, last one and we'll be done. With all that happened, why did you choose to start another church? This answer, mm. the answer to this question is, is continually developing. Let me say this. When, when I got fired, I was done with ministry. And this is why. If you've been around church work for a while, pastors, People on staff that get fired, they just kind of disappear, go away. Nobody ever hears from them again, especially in the same town, especially in a small town in the South. And so I didn't want to start another church. I didn't. Um, in fact, I, I started a business. I started a for-profit business um, called The Growth Company, and I ran that business for about a year. And in one year, uh, the business made about a half a million dollars. Uh, now, we had some expenses and other things to pay, so I didn't, like, have a half a million dollars. I wasn't, like, swimming in money. But I'm just saying, I was on my way to building a really successful business, and I was miserable because I was flying around the country consulting with businesses and churches, and I would go into churches and see all this potential. You know what God was doing that whole time? He was causing me to just fall in love with the church Again, and I had a friend ask me, he said, if you could do, if, if you could just like go anywhere and do anything, what, what would you do? And I said, I'd probably start a church. He said, have you told anybody? I said, only you. And slowly but surely, God started, the way I've described it all day is God started messing with me. He just started messing with me. I didn't want to do this. I promise you I didn't want to do this. So I was like, okay, God, I'll do it online, but nobody's going to watch. All right, God, we'll get this little storefront down here, now the liquor store, and, but nobody will show up. Some of y'all remember the campaign to get in this building. We need a half a million dollars by Christmas. 
So we called it, we need a half a million dollars by Christmas. And it happened. And so the, the reason I'm doing this isn't because I chose it. It's because God kept messing with me. And God knew that I would need this church to make it to the next level in my walk with Jesus. God knew that this is where I'd meet Shannon. God knew that I needed people like Ed and Stephanie Long and Greg and Kim Dyer, Ryan and Lauren Capelli and Paul and Jennifer Rollins and Sheena and Andrew and Lori and Chad, Addie and Cole. He knew I needed these people in my life. So he, he didn't give up. He didn't give up on that. It wasn't just about me starting a church. It was about me building a life. And he just kept messing with me and got me to this place. And if I could, man, if I could encourage you to do anything tonight, I would ask you to ask Jesus to mess with you, to just start messing with you in ways that make you so uncomfortable because on the other side of that mess are miracles that will blow your mind I didn't want to do this part of the reason is because I was scared I would fail and the other reason it's because I believed what other people said about me more than I believed what God said about me. But I discovered something, and I'm still discovering it. Other people can't cancel you because they didn't call you. The only person that can cancel your calling is the Lord. He hasn't canceled mine, and he hasn't canceled yours because there's still air in your lungs. So Jesus, tonight, I just pray over this entire room that you'll mess with us. God, that you would stir in our hearts and our minds. God, that we that thing, that step, that confession of that addiction, that ask for help, that prayer of salvation, that next step that we know we need to take. Jesus, I pray that the, your Holy Spirit would stir in us, that the power of the word that we've heard tonight would stir in us, and you would compel us take that step that brings us so much closer with you and God it would it would just cause fire in our bones to erupt and we would we would sing and shout the name of Jesus Jesus thank you so much that you meet us exactly where we are and you bring us to where we need to be so father I want to pray over everyone in this room and all of our friends online Jesus that tonight right now in this moment you would just mess with us God you would you would show us what that next step is that we would see it we would hear it so clearly and God you would fill us with the courage to take that next step with heads bowed and eyes closed right now I don't know what the Lord's saying to you I do know he's speaking but maybe you're here tonight and you need to pray to receive Christ that's your next step you know you you if you don't have Jesus living in you you have no love, no peace, no joy, no hope, 
and no strength to overcome everything this world throws at you. But with Jesus inside you, there is nothing you can't overcome. And if you're here tonight and you know you need to give your life to Jesus, you need to turn your life over to Jesus, you need to become a Christian, then I want you, right where you stand tonight, I want to invite you to pray and give your life to Christ. How are we going to do that? Well, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. I'm going to lead you in a prayer, and I just want you to repeat this prayer out loud. That's right. We do it out loud here at Second Chance, but not alone, because everybody in our Second Chance family, we're going to pray this prayer out loud with you so you will know you're stepping into a relationship with Jesus encouraged by every single person in this room. So if you know you need to pray to receive Christ tonight, right now, let's nail it down. You pray and receive him in Second Chance Fam. Let's make sure they don't pray alone. Just right where you stand, just pray, Jesus Christ. I know that I'm a sinner and I need you as my savior. I believe you died on the cross and you rose from the grave to pay for my sins. And right now, Jesus, I declare you as Lord. Come into my life and take over. In Jesus' name I pray. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if you just prayed that prayer, if you just asked Christ to come into your life, I want to pray with you and I want to pray for you. Because I don't want you to leave this room tonight without being prayed for. So if you just prayed that prayer and you just accepted Christ, do me a favor real quick with nobody looking around. Would you just... Raise your hand up in the air. Just stick it really high up in the air and just leave it up. Leave them up. Leave them up. Leave them up. This is awesome. Leave them up. Leave them up. This is awesome. Keep them up. Wow. Wow. Keep them up. God, I want to thank you for every single hand I'm looking at right now. This is amazing. Jesus, you've done this all day long. I pray that every single man and woman that's, that raised their hand, Jesus, they would walk out of this room knowing that tonight, they were made new. Tonight, they were forgiven. Tonight, they were cleansed. Tonight, that you came to live inside of them, which gives them strength and power over anything this world throws their way. Thank you, Jesus, for being so faithful with salvation. And Father, for the rest of us in this room, God, mess with us. Mess with us so that we can become more and more like you and all God's people that agreed with this prayer said amen are you glad you came to church today man me too I love you guys so much we'll see y'all next Sunday